Welcome to the Kubinger Cole videocast on privilege access management from a CISO perspective. I'm Bertolt Kerl from Kubinger Cole. I'm CEO at Kubinger Cole, and I'm very glad that I have uh, Rob Edmondson with us, uh, who is technology strategist at Psychotic. Welcome, Rob. Thank you, Bertolt. Yes, um, it's good to be with you. So, a uh, quick introduction to me. Um, I've worked with Psychotic for nearly four years now, and I joined the organization when privileged access management was was really just a fairly new term in terms of the wider realm of cybersecurity and enterprise software. Um, I worked in the UK with a number of customers to help them define uh, their PAM projects, and I saw people really grappling with it for the first time. Um, since then, I've moved to uh, really been involved in the positioning of our solution and understanding what exactly is it that customers really want from PAM solutions and what do they think they want from it in the future and seeing mm -hmm. how best we can map our technology to that. So that's very much what my role is about. Yeah, thank, thanks Rob for being with us today. Yeah, and our topic today is uh, looking at the privileged access management perspective from a CISO perspective, right? And uh, well, privilege user accounts are, as we all know, significant targets for attack as they have elevated permission access to confidential data and the ability to change settings. And, and if compromised, um, the amount of damage to an organization, to an enterprise could be disastrous. So I believe no wonder that this is very much on the mind of the CISOs, right? At least it should be. Yeah. Before we get started, Rob, perhaps it makes sense to to clarify a little bit as a privilege access management. So what actually do we mean when we talk about privilege access management? Great question. Okay, so um, I, on, on one level, um, we're really looking at what privileges exist in, in the enterprise, in businesses, that cyber criminals might want to use. So if you look at it from a reactive perspective, then we're going to be looking at what credentials or systems or wh wherever the privileges are could be used by a cyber criminal. So that could be, like I said, a credential, that could be a particular target system. Um, it could be certain application privileges on an endpoint. Wherever those privileges exist that give someone more privilege than a standard user, that's when you move from just talking about access management to privileged access management. So there's, there's that element of it. Um, but in another way, privileged access management is built of components. So you've got uh, a password management layer. And I mm -hmm. think the reason for that is that credentials still to this day form a gateway to many target systems um, and places where privileges are used. So you want to be able to manage that credential layer. Then you have elements of session management, session recording, where you go beyond, above and beyond the credential and you're performing... Um, the ability to see in real time what somebody is doing and to control what privileges they have in that session, in that web browser, on that device. So that's a, a high level view of privileged access management. All right. Thanks. Thanks for this insight. Well, um, what I'd like to do now is a little bit reflect on, on just uh, what does privileged accesses mean in the year of 2021, right? And uh, uh, it's interesting, we, we had a session uh, just a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of CISOs 
And of course, what what was on very much on their minds uh, was the incident which uh, well um, was published in December uh, around solar winds. And what what do you think uh, does this mean from a from a British access perspective? Well, um, I I can't pretend to be an expert on every detail of the breach, um, but one of the things that you'll generally see if you're dissecting um, breaches and reports on breaches, is that cyber criminals will start off at a lower level, right? They'll, they'll, they'll take their foothold in at some part of the business. And then there's this whole concept of privilege elevation. You know, once they've done their reconnaissance and maybe some phishing or whatever those early stages are, and they've got a foothold, they then want to elevate the privileges. So privileged access management in the context of the SolarWinds breach, um, Wherever that occurred, privileged access management could and should have played a part in making sure that only the right people get access to those privileges. Yeah, and I think obviously uh, multi-factor authentication is something which would have helped mm -hmm. and uh, wasn't in place in many cases, at least not with all clients who were, yes. were impacted. Yeah, yeah. well, that's, that's, that's a very important part as well of, like you were saying, with multi-factor authentication, the two go together so well. Because yeah. what we want to do is to provide a way that you can layer multi-factor authentication, not just on the access point, but for any privilege elevation that occurs in the enterprise. So that every time a, a genuine person or a cyber criminal tries to elevate their privileges, they're being forced back to that zero trust position. Yeah. Well, another actual topic, obviously, uh, unfortunately, we are still in the middle of... Uh, of the pandemic <laughs> and you and I, as we just have that interview, are working from home, right? What does this mean from a, from a privileged access perspective if now everyone, uh, I guess also privileged users are working from home? Um, I think from a security perspective, what, we see, what we've seen over the last year is that there's, there's a whole new realm that exists between the systems and the networks that businesses have traditionally used and the users, because so many more people are now functioning remotely. Um, it just means that we need to be even more careful than ever before about making sure that the person who says they're this person or that system or that application really is that person. So verification um, before authorization is, is critical. And really the, the brilliance of PAM is its flexibility to deliver value in situations like this. So we've got mm -hmm. many customers who were very easily able to upscale their existing solution, which would maybe functioning from an on-premise kind of um, mm -hmm. office and network management perspective. And suddenly they're able to support their remote users, provide VPN-less access, and make sure that they're applying zero trust in a remote working context. So um, in, in the context of the pandemic, I think PAM has been tremendously helpful to, to people who've gone down that path and um, has shown more value. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And and I guess an, another up-to-date topic, talking about 2021, has been and is the cloud. So in the past, we have uh, so much talked about the risk, uh, new risk, uh, cloud computing brings uh, with it. Um, but I think the, the new normal, I believe, is 
is hybrid environments. So people are using multiple clouds and are using, continue to use on-prem um, software. Uh, is privilege access management prepared for such a uh, complex uh, environment? Yeah. Everybody who has uh, interest in the cloud wants to know how Pam can help. And the wonderful thing is it's it's really straightforward. Um, it's not really even that complex. The fact of the matter is that the cloud has changed things. There are some things that are continuous and there are some things that have changed. Um, one of the things that remains the same is the role of, um, for example, credentials. Um, there is a particular place where people perform privileged access. And so Pam, you know, very easily can, for example, with our solution, discover the credentials associated with a multi-cloud environment, the root accounts, the consoles. Um, you can then deliver a role-based access control experience. So each user has specific access tailored to them. You can record the sessions and um, even provide advanced functionalities like filtering um, exactly what a user can do in a web browser. Um, so the capabilities of PAM are, are really well suited to managing across this hybrid environment. And one of the things that we see from CISOs and from customers who use the solution is they appreciate the consistency it offers them during a migration and a time of change like this. So rather than depending on um, you know, managing privileges, you know, within within the on-premise environment itself, and then using a different capability associated with the cloud environment, they've got a single pane of glass for access management and privilege management across this whilst they're transitioning. And customers really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, so I think in the early days of privilege access management, um, people were thinking of a privileged user. Um, along the lines of a system administrator or database administrator, etc. So, to about whom should we think when we talk about a privileged user in 2021? Is this still these guys, or yeah. have more people come uh, come, so to say, in our in view? In view. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I think um, one of the reasons that so many of us have focused on privileged users or power users for so long, um, or, or more more when they're focused in the IT world, is because that's really the first place that people think about. And um, given that privileged access management is an emerging technology and an emerging requirement for businesses, people always start in the place that's most obvious and most obviously needs help. But you're you're right in suggesting that this is changing in 2021. It's changing in two ways. Firstly, um, we're increasingly seeing that what this, this sort of um, delineation between a business user, business, and then a privileged user is, is pretty useless because actually privileges, rights, and all of this exist on a spectrum. So by splitting these into two groups, what we're doing is we're preventing organizations from truly being adaptive to requirements. So we've really adopted this perspective that when we talk with customers we want to understand who their users are what privileges they access and what the customer thinks they need to do to respond to that and then you can map this and show how the technology can assist with each of these use cases mm -hmm. now on the other side there's also an emerging conversation that's been going on for a few years um, which is really focused on 
the role of applications and service accounts. Now, this has been important in PAM for a while, that, that we appreciate that there are machine identities, right? So privileged users aren't just people anymore. They're not just increasingly business users, but they're also non-human users. And, you know, the, the number of customers that I speak with now, where I'll ask them, by the way, are you running robot process automation? And they'll say yes. And you realize, okay, so you actually have a lot of different types of users. You've got business users, privileged users, you've got your finance team, and now you've got bots and mm -hmm. service accounts and all the other stuff. So the question of who is a privileged user is broader than ever. And the requirements of the technology to solve this from a single pane of glass, well, that's more challenging than ever, but, but luckily there are solutions that can do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So, so, so that, that brings me to the next question, which is if obviously if there, if there, if an organization is not yet, um, using a privilege access management solution, then it's, uh, it's really time to think about it. Mm -hmm. And those are, uh, those organizations who already have it, they may need to think about expanding the scope of it, right? Yes. Uh, as, as uh, to other, to other privilege access users, et cetera, right? To other use cases. So what, 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 what comes to your mind? What can you recommend to AC? So how they should actually effectively prepare for, for the next uh, step on, on, on privilege access management? Definitely. I think you're, you're, you're right that many people who are already using PAM solutions will have a need to expand because of some of the things we've talked about, you know, some of the breaches that have been going on involve credentials in places that previously PAM solutions might not have managed, like being written in code and in config files, for example. So yes, whether you have a PAM solution or whether you don't, there's a need to figure out how can I deliver PAM to my organization? Because that's an ongoing discussion. Um, in terms of how a CISO can effectively prepare, there are a number of things that are really important. So when I look at the feedback from our customers and their experience and their journey, there's a couple of really important recommendations that they make. So software like Phycotic, for example, is going to be fantastic at automating a lot of stuff, you know, and so there's tons of things that you don't have to worry about that you did with old solutions, but there are still some things that you have to think about. So firstly, from a permissions perspective, what do you want as an organization? At some point, we need to stop looking at the tools and which one that you, you prefer for your organization and ask yourself, okay, with this tooling, what do I want to do with users? What groups of users are there? How do I want to split this up? Um, do I want to integrate with a directory and all of this? And then how do I want to map these to the privileges? And how can I do this in a way that's, that's scalable? And we have plenty of advice on that. But at the end of the day, there are some things that no matter how many consultants, partners and people that you get, some questions you do have to answer yourself. And that's one of them. The second, I think, is um, even more important in some ways. And that's asking not only what users do I have and what privileged account systems and privileges exist, but by far the most important question to add in there is where do my users currently do things? If you've mm -hmm. got a, a hundred users, what does their day look like? You know, when they use privileges and privileged accounts, where do they go? Are they opening a web browser? Are they looking for access through a mobile app? Um, do they have a specific connection manager, like a remote desktop aggregator that they like to use? 
Is there a database management platform that they use? Because one of the downfalls of traditional PAM has been that we force users to go to a PAM tool. We force users to change their behaviors. And actually what we really need is for PAM to come to the users. And that means that we resolve one of the biggest concerns that CISOs and high level stakeholders have when they look at PAM. And that is, how can I be sure that my users will do this? That, that's especially the challenge for, for CISOs because uh, obviously they, they, are, they have to justify um, a new process, a new, the usage of a new tool. And if then the CIO comes to him and say, look, my people now have much more work than before, then he's under pressure. Obviously, he has to make sure that, 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 that obviously user, user uh, behavior and experience is great because otherwise it, it will either lead to non-usage or to more work, right? In both Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a win-win on both sides as well because, yes, the organization then gets the adoption rates that they want, the stakeholders look great, everyone's very happy. But then, of course, for us, as, as a technology provider, we want to deliver that excellent experience. The better experience that we deliver to our customers, the more they want to use our solution, the more conversations that we get to have, and the more we get to work together. So we've really, I think, changed the game in terms of delivering a PAM experience that is transparent, that, that comes mm. to the places that the user would go to, and <laughs> therefore adoption becomes very seamless. So they want to think about adoption, not to worry about it. And the key thing is to ask, where do my users currently access? And then make sure that you speak to every vendor and say, can you bring PAM to this place? And if not, what's the implication? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that. that that's also a, a, an important aspect. So, so we, we discussed various use cases now. And of course, everyone would ask uh, the question, all right, is there, is there just one tool out there uh, which can cover all these use cases on mm -hmm. one hand. And the, I think the other question also is people may have already uh, some sort of uh, identity access management solution in-house. Mm -hmm. um, how well do these tools work together, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, this is a great question. And it's one question that I wish we could talk more about with everybody. <laughs> Many people are focused on their current requirements, and that's very important. But sometimes you need to ask yourself, what do I want for the next five or 10 years in terms of password management, privileged access management, identity management, and making sure the tool that you choose can really scale up in a way that's effective? So great question. Is there a solution that can do it all? Well, um, there are some solutions that can do more and there are some solutions that can do less. Okay, so if you look at the major vendors that are out there, um, we're all able to deliver capabilities for the majority of the key use cases that a customer is going to have. And so in many cases, customers come to us and they say, I feel like I'm just looking at the same solution. So we need to then start to delineate and say, okay, what is it that makes us different? And one of them is this. Psychotic's secret server, which is really our flagship solution, can, can deliver so much value across the different parts of an attack surface from one solution. You know, whether that is the non-human machine identities, the cloud on-premise, um, whether that is securing business users, it's all possible through a single solution that's licensed in a very simplistic way. So if they go down this roadmap, they're going to find that solution can provide tons and tons of value 
uh, for the vast majority of use cases. Some other solutions out there, they may have the technical capabilities, but they weren't wrapped into that initial solution. So you end up deploying multiple different solutions to solve you know, the same number of use cases. And look, you know, that's a different approach and some customers may end up making a decision based on some other factor that you know isn't in that anecdote. But in answer to your question, some can do more. And I think that's where we sit and we're very proud of that. And some can do less. Yeah. Well, Rob, um, I think we, we, we basically discussed that privilege access management is one of the, let's say, basic controls, uh, basic measures everyone should have in these days. Um, we also discussed that it actually provides uh, great answers to recent challenges such as solar winds, such as the pandemic, such as the cloud, perhaps even zero trust, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it is certainly a topic uh, CISO should pay attention on, right? And um, uh, thank you very much, Rob, for, for being with us, for, for your answers, your insights. It was a pleasure talking to you. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you, Bertolt. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you too. And um, hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. And to everyone who was listening to us, uh, I also hope uh, you enjoyed our talk, um, at least as much as I did. And I'm looking forward to see you in one of our next sessions again. Thank you very much.